Chapter 18 of Pieces of Hate and Other Enthusiasms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pieces of Hate and Other Enthusiasms by Haywood Brune. The Well Made Review. One of the simplest ways in which a critic can put a play in its place is to refer to it as well-made. The phrase has come to be a reproach. It suggests a third act in which the friend of the family tells the husband, take her out and buy her a good dinner, and the lover decides that he will go back to Mesopotamia alone. George Bernard Shaw changed the style and taught playgoers to refuse to accept technique as something just as good as spiritual significance. We now await the revolt against the well-made review. Each of the Sigfield follies is perfect of its kind, but just as in the plays of Pinero, form has triumphed over substance. The name Sigfield on the label means a magnificent product, perfect in every detail, with complete satisfaction guaranteed. But it is a standardized product. You know just what you are going to get, Sigfield scenery, Sigfield costumes mean something definite. Even a Sigfield chorus girl suggests an unvarying type. The hood is as unmistakable as that of a Ford automobile. At times one is struck with a longing to find a single homely girl among all the merry marchers, and there is at least a shadow of a wish to encounter likewise something in a song, or a set, or a costume rough, unfinished, and ungainly. Alexander sighed, and so might Sigfield. His supremacy in the field of musical review is unquestioned. Even the shows with which he has no connection follow his modes as best they can, though sometimes at a great distance. He really owes it to himself and to his public to put on, in the near future, a very bad review, so that in the ensuing year the most precious element in entertainment, surprise, may again come to the theater through him. The first of all the Sigfield follies must have furnished its audience with a night of startled rapture. The rest have produced a pleasant evening. Burdened by years of success, Mr. Sigfield must be hampered by innumerable rules about review-making. He has created tradition, and probably it rises up in front of him now and again to bark his shins. The Follies is still an entertainment, but now it is also an institution. Plan, premeditation, and the note of service must all have won their places in the making of each new show in the succession. The critic will not depart in peace until he has seen somehow, somewhere, an altogether irresponsible review. It will be produced not by Edward Royce, but by spontaneous combustion. Some of it will be terrible. Few of the costumes will fit, and many of them will be in bad taste. None of the tunes will be hummed by the audience as it leaves the theater. But nevertheless, and notwithstanding, this irresponsible review of which I speak is going to contain two good jokes. I had at least a glimmer of hope 
that shuffle along might be the first blow of the revolution against the well-made review. Early explorers in the 62nd Street Music Hall came back glowing with discovery. And yet, after seeing the Negro Review, it seems to me that stout Cortez and all his men were duped. In book and music and dancing, Shuffle Along follows Broadway tradition just as closely as it can. It is rough with old things which have crumbled, and not with new things which are unfinished. And yet, it is easy to understand the thrill which swept through some of the pioneers who were the first to see Shuffle Along. In it, there is one quality possessed by no other show which has been seen in New York this year. Most musical comedy performers seem to be altruists, who are putting themselves out to a great extent in order to please you and the other paying customers. Shuffle Along is entirely selfish. No matter how enthusiastic the audience, it cannot possibly get as much fun out of the show as the performers. Not since the last trip to New York of the Triangle Club have I seen the amateur spirit more fully realized in the theater. Perhaps the performers get paid, but it does not seem fitting. The more engaging theory is that each member of the chorus of Shuffle Along, who keeps his work up at top pitch until the end of the season, receives a large blue sweater with a white S.A. on the front, and is then allowed to break training. The ten best performers, in addition, are tapped on the shoulder. There is a rumor that social distinction as well as merit enters into this selection, but it has never, to my knowledge, been confirmed. Of course, nothing in the remarks above is to be construed as implying that people in the Sigfield choruses do not have a good time. Such a statement would certainly be far from the facts. As somebody or other has so aptly said, it is great to be young and a Zigfield chorus girl. The difference is that no Caucasian chorister, including the Scandinavian, has the faculty of enjoying herself with the same frankness and abandon as the African. Centuries of civilization and weeks of training make it impossible. The Follies girl knows what she likes, but she has been taught not to point. A certain reserve and recitance is part of the Sigfield tradition. Even the most daring of Mr. Sigfield's experiments in summer costuming are more aesthetic than erotic. Though the legs of the longest showgirl may be bare, one feels that she is clothed in reverence. When the lights begin to dim and the soft music sounds to indicate that the current Ben Ali Hagen tableau is about to be disclosed, I am always a little nervous. So solemn and dignified is the entire atmosphere of the affair that I feel a little like a peeping Tom in the presence of Godiva, and generally I cover my eyes in order that they may be preserved for the final processional, in which one girl will be Cole, another Aviation, and a third the Monroe Doctrine. The parade is one of the traditions of the follies. When in doubt, make them march, is the way the rule reads in Mr. Zigfield's notebook, all of which opens the way to the suggestion that Mr. Zigfield should try the experiment some year of cutting about $100,000 out of his bill for costumes 
and using the money to buy a joke. In that case, the marching chorus girls could pass a given point. End of chapter 18 Recording by Richard Kilmer, Real Medina, Texas